for that uh, warm introduction, and uh, you know of my love for you and your family, and um, grateful for our friendship and our partnership in the gospel and the privilege of serving together. And uh, uh, having been with you on this journey now for the last 10 or 11 years, it, this is a day of great joy for me. So delighted to be here with you. Thanks for inviting me to be a part of it. I want to bring you all greetings from the other 72 churches in the Great Lakes Conference of Covenant Churches. So, so I had the same question you did, Matt, when I moved to take this position um, 11 years ago. Um, the Great Lakes Conference has the states of Kentucky, Tennessee, and West Virginia. <laughs> um, so I made a trip down, and I discerned that each of these states are great states. The state of Kentucky is a great state, and you do have lakes. So it, we, anyway, sorry, it, I had to find a way to make it work, right? So, so I did. But um, I, I do want to bring you greetings from the other uh, churches in our conference, and actually also from our denomination. We were together for our denominational annual meeting last week when Matt was ordained, met in uh, Southern California. All of our churches represented in some form or fashion, and then um, uh, we're together for worship and celebration and in the act of the ordination service, uh, came together as a denomination. And I, I just want to bring you greetings from those churches. We're over well, we're about 900 churches now across the United States and Canada. We're much larger overseas. We have churches that we have started really literally around the world through our Covenant World missionaries, uh, serve globally personnel, and actually um, uh, we're not an international denomination. We are a denomination of the United States and Canada together, and the other countries have their own denominations, their own covenant denominations. Um, but I can, I can bring you greetings from them because our hearts are knit together in mission and ministry. And then I can bring you greetings from the other churches in our conference because we partner together to do things like plant new churches and come alongside existing churches to serve them and to encourage them and to help equip them to regain missional traction. And we do all of this together in a partnership. We combine our resources to be able to serve fellow churches and start new churches. So I want to thank you for your partnership in that and bring you greetings from all of those churches because we are a fellowship of churches across the Great Lakes region. Matt, last weekend at the annual meeting, you publicly declared your belief in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You confessed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and you affirmed your conviction that the Bible is the Word of God and the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. And then you made some vows to be diligent in the reading and study of God's Word, to strive to consistently live in conformity with Christ and his teachings, to submit to the covenant church's discipline, be loyal to the covenant and its mission, and follow the ethical guidelines for covenant pastors. And then our president asked you and your fellow ordinands, will you undertake to be a faithful pastor 
caring for God's people, nourishing them in the preaching and teaching of the word, administering the holy sacraments, bearing rule in the church, and serving with love and authority of Christ in bringing redemption and reconciliation, to which you responded, I will with the help of God. In that moment, Matt, you committed yourself to a lifetime of service to Christ's church as a credentialed covenant pastor. I said to Matt last week, Matt, when I was ordained by the Evangelical Covenant Church, the president of the denomination took us all aside and he said, you know what, ordinance, we're getting married. You are getting married to the Covenant Church. That's, that's the depth of this commitment. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to stay committed to you, but if you ever leave credentialed covenant pastoral ministry, well, then you're going to have to explain to us where we went wrong because we are entering into this partnership with you. Matt looked a little bit like deer in headlights, <laughs> the same way I felt when the president of our denomination said those words to me the night before I was ordained. But in that moment, Matt, you committed yourself to a lifetime of service to Christ's church as a credentialed covenant pastor. Um, it was a deep privilege for me, Matt, to be the pastor who laid hands on you while our executive minister prayed for you, and then collectively, through the words of our president, Tammy Swanson-Dreheim, we, the Evangelical Covenant Church, ordained you to the ministry of word and sacrament. It was a high and holy moment, Matt. Years in the making, decades, actually. My recollection is that Jesus became real to you uh, at a Christian camp when you were, I think you were in about the seventh grade. And uh, that early on, you developed a deep desire to tell others about Jesus. You found the death and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin to be so compelling that you wanted your friends and your family members to experience it too. In one of the papers that you wrote in the ordination process, you said it this way. When I had accepted Jesus, I instantly wanted to help people find Jesus themselves. Amen. Your passion to share Christ has never diminished. In high school, you told the leaders of your youth group that you sensed a call to ministry, so they put you in a leadership role among your peers. When you went off to college, you volunteered to serve in the youth ministry of a local church so that you could tell people, tell kids about Jesus. Soon you were asked to serve as the director of the middle school ministry. No surprise there. And for the past 24 years since graduating from college, you have been telling others about Jesus through ministry positions at Valley Brook Church in, um, in Wisconsin, the Avenue Church here in Louisville, the Eyes That See ministry that you and Nikki lead, and here in and through one church. And I know this about you. You have been sharing Jesus in your everyday life all through those years, in your neighborhood, the shops that you frequent, the restaurants that you eat in. And as I think about your pathway to the ordination service last weekend, Matt, I'm reminded of another man's journey into ministry. 
Peter, the apostle, was one of four fishermen that Jesus met early in his public ministry. And we read about that encounter in Matthew chapter 4. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting in that into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Now, Matt, you were younger when you met Jesus at summer camp than Peter was when he met Jesus in Galilee. Peter was married at the time and most likely in his late teens or 20s. I'm guessing that you were 12 or 13 years old when you first met Jesus. And I don't know if you like to fish or not, but I'm pretty sure you didn't go fishing to feed your family uh, when you were 12 or 13 years old. But the striking similarity between you and Peter is that as soon as you began to follow Jesus, you began to fish for people. You started looking for ways to share Jesus with others so they could find and follow him as well. That call to follow Jesus and fish for people is a calling that applies to all of us, to all people, and it never goes away. It's how the gospel is shared. It's how the kingdom of God grows. And in churches that are thriving, the followers of Jesus see themselves as fishers of people. They're always looking for ways to connect with others, develop friendships, extend invitations to their newfound friends, to worship services, to special events, or to small group gatherings in their homes so that people can encounter Jesus. One of our uh, larger conference churches saw a steady growth for years. Uh, one of our churches up in Michigan. The church was known for its excellent preaching. It was known for its good outreach events. It was known for conversion stories and baptisms. And one time I asked the senior pastor, uh, what was the key to their fruit in, in ministry? And he said, well, that's easy. It's an auto mechanic that goes to our church. Turns out this auto mechanic was a guy who was so grateful for his experience of new life in Christ that he invited just about everybody he knew to come to his church. The lead pastor said he was astonished by the number of people who told him that this mechanic had invited them. At the end of the day, we're all sinners who have been forgiven by a Savior so that we can live an abundant life with God and for God. But people who don't know that yet need someone to tell them. They need a Peter or a Matt or a member of One Church Louisville to take a fishing trip into their neighborhood or meet them in a coffee shop or strike up a conversation to build a friendship and extend an invitation. That's how the kingdom of God grows. But Matt, along the way, your calling to fish 
for people in the way of Jesus took on greater levels of responsibility. In addition to telling other people about Jesus, you found yourself being asked to step into leadership positions in local churches, to care for God's people, to empower them to use their spiritual gifts, to lead them into works of compassion, mercy, and justice, and to equip them for the work of evangelism. It happened in college, it happened at that church in Wisconsin, and it has happened here in Louisville. The, uh, the image used in Scripture for a person called into this kind of spiritual leadership in God's kingdom is the image of a shepherd. Remember uh, King David who had the dual responsibility of leading his nation politically and, over, and overseeing the spiritual welfare of the people? He was identified as a shepherd of the people of Israel. Remember the Old Testament prophets who spoke of their spiritual leaders as shepherds, leaders who had the responsibility to protect, guide, instruct, and serve God's people. And remember Peter's resurrection encounter with Jesus back at the Sea of Galilee where Jesus had first called Peter into ministry. The encounter in which Jesus tells Peter that if he truly loves Jesus, he will feed and care for his sheep. John 21, verse 15. Simon, son of John, Peter, do you truly love me more than these, your friends? Yes, Lord, said Peter, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, Peter, son of John, do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Lord, you know all things, cried Peter. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times, Peter had denied knowing Jesus in the courtyard outside of Caiaphas' house, the high priest, on the night before Jesus was crucified. Three times, Jesus gives Peter the opportunity to affirm his love for his Lord. And in the process, Jesus puts an additional responsibility on Peter. He's a fisherman, a fisher of people. But now, Jesus puts an additional responsibility on Peter. He's still a fisher of people. He will always be called to build relationships with people and tell them about Jesus. But now, now, he is also a spiritual shepherd of the people for whom Jesus had given his life. Later, Peter wrote these words to the churches under his care. In 1 Peter chapter 5, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Matt, you have been a fisher of people for as long as you have known Jesus. 
that calling remains, as it does for all of us, every follower of Jesus. But in addition to that calling, for many years, God has been nudging you and shaping you and calling you to serve as a shepherd of God's people and the shepherd of God's mission through a local church. Your call was, was not as sudden maybe as Peter's, and you may have resisted it, but, but it's equally real and it's equally strong. We in the Great Lakes Conference and the larger Evangelical Covenant Church are grateful for your many years of experience in ministry prior to coming on our radar in the years just before one church became a reality. We're grateful that those churches saw in you the character of a godly leader and the gifts needed for strong pastoral leadership and service. We're grateful that you responded to the call by one church to serve them as a co-pastor and then as a lead pastor. We're grateful that you engaged in the rigorous educational process that we in the Evangelical Covenant Church require of our ordinance because of our conviction that apostolic ministry should be entrusted to those who have been formed and educated rightly to handle the word of truth, to equip the people of God for their ministries in the world, and to build up congregations in faith, hope, and love. And because it has been our experience that a fully educated and formed pastor has greater longevity and health in ministry, which ultimately benefits the local church in their mission to do God's work in their community. And one thing more that we are exceedingly grateful for, and that is for your wife, Nikki, who has stood by you, encouraged you, prayed for you, made sacrifices to enable you to take all those courses that you needed to take and waited patiently for you to come home after those courses. Nikki, we are so grateful for you and your partnership with Matt in this um, ministry that you've been engaged in and your encouragement and support of him all these years. So bless you and thank you. Do I hear an amen? I heard an amen. <laughs> Matt, your ordination by the Evangelical Covenant Church last week was an affirmation of your character, your gifting, and your calling to serve as pastor. Like Peter, in addition to being a fisher of people, you have been affirmed as a shepherd in Christ's church, a shepherd of souls, and a shepherd of God's mission to see more disciples among more populations in a more caring and just world through the ministries of the local church. So Matt, I, I wanna invite you to um, stand with me here. Put on your stole and come and stand before, uh, before your congregation. Yeah, put on your stole. Here, let me put your stole on. Wait a minute, you hold your stall. I'm gonna put my stall on. And then as a symbolic representation of what actually happened last week, I'm gonna put your stall on. <laughs> 
You look good. Thanks. <laughs> um, I want to make an observation, and then, um, well, I, let me say this. I, I, I want you to know that the that the commitment that Matt made last week really was not a one-way commitment. It's a commitment that goes both ways. So, so we in the covenant take our commitment to our pastors very seriously. Um, we care deeply for our pastors in various ways through local or regional clusters of pastors, covenant pastors that meet on a regular basis um, by inviting them to be part of a fall retreat specifically in designed for uh, pastors and, and their spouses to come away and be at rest and be with one another in fellowship. Uh, we provide a midwinter conference for covenant pastors to come every year at the denominational level where they get equipped and encouraged and, and, and share life together with fellow pastors from around the country. Um, we have a deep commitment to helping pastors sustain their pastoral excellence and provide scholarship money and financial resources for sabbatical, for uh, time away, for encouragement, for meeting with um, spiritual directors, et cetera, et cetera. And we get to build friendships with one another. And uh, just say this is a, has been a very special friendship for me and uh, so grateful to Matt for being willing to reciprocate that and, and share life together. Um, but we don't just encourage and stay in friendship. We also require continuing education. So um, even though Matt has finished seminary and has done all of the educational requirements, there are ongoing educational requirements that we have for him, and he has to report every year on the work that he has done to uh, continue his education and growth in his re relationship with God and his understanding of God's work. And then we take it a step further still, and we hold our pastors accountable. So um, this will never happen, but if, if, if Matt were to uh, do something that one of you thought might be a little sideways, and you contacted the chair of your church, and the chair of the church said, yeah, we need to look into that. I would, I would be getting a phone call, and I would be having a conversation with Matt. So tell me about what this, whatever it was. We hold our pastors accountable to the commitments that they make as pastors. And it's not just me. Um, we have a Committee on Ministerial Standing at the conference level, we have the Board of Ministry at the denominational level, and we pour a lot of resources into holding our pastors accountable on a regular basis. So uh, know that about our commitment uh, to, your, to your pastor. And then uh, I just want you to know that um, in all of this, we, the covenant, we, the pastors in the covenant, are gonna stand with Matt. We are in partnership in our common ministry as, uh, as ordained clergy. We're gonna stand with him. Through thick and thin, through hard and good, we're gonna be together in relationship. So I, I wanna make an observation about your life together, and it is this. Uh, in the words of the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, we read that Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, 
the pastors and the teachers to the church to equip his people, God's people, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's what we're about. So I want to ask you, members, uh, friends of one church, under the leadership and service of your newly ordained pastor, are you willing to be equipped for the works of service so that this body of Christ may be built up for God's glory and neighbor's good? If so, will you please say, we are. In partnership with your newly ordained pastor, are you willing to do the common work of ministry that every disciple is called to when they begin to follow Jesus? The work of sharing Christ with people who do not yet know him so that they can come to know him. If so, please say, we are. And in collaboration with your newly ordained pastor, will you continue to serve one another in such a way that this church will see more disciples among more populations in a more caring and just city of Louisville and beyond? If so, please say, we will. I hope that our online people participated in that as well. I couldn't hear them, but I heard you, and it's resounding. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe there are great days ahead for one church. Let's pray.